Are you ready to go? Are you guys feeling it? I guess. <laughs> Let's do it. Wait, right. wait, hold up. <clears throat> Let's get into like getting the character. Okay. <clears throat> Which character? Graboids. <laughs> Am I Melvin? <laughs> way to go, dude! Hey everybody, welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marcus, and Colin. And we're all here today. Dave, Marcus, and Colin, the original DMC crew. How, how's it going, guys? Oh, it's uh, wonderful. <laughs> and why is it you're laughing this time? Oh, uh, your your voice was extra announcery today. Well, it's very uh, this good. is a good movie. It's very good. I like this movie. I want to want to bring the energy up a little bit. Bring it, dude. Bring it. So speaking of that, uh, the film we are talking about today is 1990s Ron Underwood directed goddamn underground monster B-movie masterpiece, Tremors. Perfection, a scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. They just picked the wrong day to do it. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell are those things? Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Tremors. There you go. I'm sorry, I kept waiting for Marcus to yell, Graboids, randomly, just to throw me off. Graboids! Quick high-level summary of the movie, in case you're not familiar with it. It was a, it was based on a screenplay that was originally called Land Sharks, and that's basically kind of it. It would be the uh, imagined Jaws on land with some large underground worms that attack a town that has a small population, and several people get eaten. And that's basically the movie. And it's a good one. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Great. Okay. Great, we're done. <laughs> the Real DMC Podcast signing off. A couple uh, opening facts about the movie. Uh, it was made for $11 million. And it only made $16 million at the box office. So at the time of its release, it was considered a bit of a failure. Although what happened was it hit VHS and kind of exploded into popularity. Enough to make, I guess, seven additional sequels that were a combination of direct-to-video or video-on-demand. Uh, which I have only seen one of the sequels. Love the, the original movie, but not interested in seeing any of the sequels. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. I didn't realize until... Uh digging into it for this podcast how uh how big of a franchise it actually turned into so yeah it's a big one you know who loves the sequels michael gross <laughs> he loves them all the way to the bank i'm sure i'm sure he grosses a lot hey yo <laughs> oh boy okay guys I'm oh my all right <laughs> uh just a couple other data points so it does maintain a 7.1 <laughs> rating on IMDb, so it's uh, relatively highly regarded, and I thought one other thing that was sort of interesting is that the the entire movie is basically set outside. There's only two interior scenes or sets for the entire film. It's a, you can imagine this was a very complicated production, and if you look at some of the, there's a recent behind the scenes or the making of perfection, or the making of perfection, the making of tremors, I believe is what it's called. It actually goes through and catalogs a lot of the the film, and uh, it's, or the making of the film, and it's actually really interesting. They did some cool complicated stuff on a budget of 11 million dollars i think it's very impressive yeah so just go watch that on youtube and stop this podcast the documentary is actually pretty interesting it's very it's called tremors making perfection but it's very much like the um kind of creature 
construction and the town construction. So it definitely was. And the name of the town that this takes place in is called Perfection. Um, population 14. Uh, question. If a, if a city has a population of only 14 people, does that actually make it a city? It's a town. It's a town. That, that's does what, it have to be, that's what does the, it have to be incorporated? That's what the, that uh, the sign said. Yeah. It's in population 14. I was, I was wondering if they're going to go back to it and like have it updated. It's more like, like a camp. Population six. I think it's more like a camp. <laughs> it's a very small town. Maybe a hamlet. Probably more like a camp. <laughs> a hamlet? <laughs> no, not a lot of hamlets in the in the Southern California area. Now, I liked in the uh, the documentary, they talked about the town as uh, one of the characters in the movies. And I thought that was it actually, they, they did a great job with the kind of construction of it. The, the kind of layout, um, the sense of place of where it was and stuff. It was really, uh, really cool. Um, how about we can start with just, you know, our individual relationships to the film. So when's the last time you saw it? Is this a movie that you, you know, have hold in high regard? Was this a, a new recent viewing that you had not seen this movie in 30 years? We were going steady in the 90s, but we had a breakup for a while. and then Really? <laughs> our relationship, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Experience with the movie? Choose, break out a thesaurus and go with the word that you're comfortable with. <laughs> Made it to second base with the movie. <laughs> I I unabashedly love this movie. Absolute triumph. You know what? Don't read my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh, Sorry. I remember seeing it in uh, when it came out. I think it came out in early part of the year. So I do remember watching it in the theaters and enjoying the movie um, then and then rewatching it many times after the fact. But it was just like a very, very fun the movie's so great, like it is such a great theater movie. So it's too bad, like a lot of people didn't get to experience it with the full audience and the cheering and the and the crowds of it. I know for a fact that you saw this movie at Oak Ridge Mall because I saw it with you at Oak Ridge Mall. That's probably true. Yep. And there was a huge there was a huge standee that they had in the uh, that was actually like a mechanical moving standee. So at some point somebody tried to put some marketing dollars behind this, but uh, it did not pay off, I guess, in the initial box office run. Well, they also they had the same problem with this, and um, as they had in Princess Bride, that trouble like marketing it as a is it a horror movie? Is it a comedy? Is it you know? Uh, so it's, it kind of walks the line. It's a romantic thriller. <laughs> the trailer for this movie does a good job representing it. I think you know it, the, the you've seen the trailer, right? It has the um, whole lot of shaking going on. It's playing, and it shows them on the roof, and it shows some of the attack scenes, it, and it's a mixture of you know a few people getting attacked but then also i think there's a funny couple funny lines of dialogue in it so i don't know i think that the trailer set the tone pretty well i think i just think that people didn't really know what to do with it here's another here's another movie from the 1990s that i saw the trailer and i thought god this looks so stupid and uh and then i saw it on video and i was like whoa this is awesome this is a great movie that's my experience well, well when was the last time you saw it colin before watching this uh, I guess it was about one week ago. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. I, I watched it again maybe, oh, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, but prior to that, it had been quite a long time. It's one of those movies that were, uh, yeah, you know, I just completely forgot about it. And I rediscovered how much I loved it. Well, for me, I'll say that I unabashedly love this movie. <laughs> it's an absolute triumph. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'll just, I mean, honestly, I really do, I genuinely love this movie for a few reasons. Uh, one is, I think, the 
the Fred Ward, Kevin Bacon on-screen pairing is just great. I think that it's one of the all-time, it's a, it's a great bromance on-screen. Their, their interactions back and forth, how they give each other shit. The fact that they are a mixture of heroic and stupid, like the perfect balance between the two, I think is tons of fun. And I think the practical effects in this movie are really impressive and amazing. I think they did a fantastic job with it. I think some of the shots where you see the worms going underneath the dirt, when you actually see the, you know, the heads of the creatures, even the, you know, the end splat of the creature after it, you know, it runs out the side of the mountain. Uh, I think all that is done really well. And it's, this is one of the last movies where I think they, somebody really took a run at doing something new and, and interesting with practical effects. Because this is right on the edge of where, because Jurassic Park, I think, is 93, right? Isn't that, yeah. isn't that when Jurassic Park comes out? Yep. I think at that point, it's you know, computer graphics or CG, and it's off to the races. It's one of the reasons why I love this movie. And I think a good example of, of what this movie means to me is when I started the Lockdown Cinema podcast with Mia, I was thinking, okay, well, what's a fun movie? What's a movie that I love that you know, I can show to her and get her reaction? And this was the very first movie I chose to show her. So this, this popped into my head instantly. So yeah, I'm a long-term fan and uh, definitely a big fan of the first one. I did see the second one. I know there's a gazillion sequels, but I have not seen any of the sequels. I was asked if, if you knew if the uh, sequels used practical effects also, or if they just switched to uh, CG. I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think the second one used practical effects, but can't speak to any of the others. I'd imagine the sequel, the, the later ones, three through seven, <laughs> must have used <laughs> CG just to uh, for costs, right? Like the the production cost to like to build them seemed like that was a huge huge hassle and. They had to dig out huge trenches for the uh, the graboids to go through and stuff. So it seems like pretty impressive to do with an eleven million dollar budget, I think, and 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 some very difficult shooting locations as well. The Lone Pine, California. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's called movie making. (laughs) I didn't actually. That's real movie making. It's not no computer generated wankity wonkity. We're talking real Navajo mambo (laughs) pajama. Real (laughs) damn movie making. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say the other thing about the uh, movie is they don't really make. I think in '88 um, they made the Blob, but there wasn't that many like kind of monster movies like this that were made. Like usually they were all like horror movies, and the horror movie usually involves a like a serial killer sort. Um, with yeah. this, it's just a pure monster. It was really cool, like it's because it's also um, you can root for the people and against the monster, and not have like what it's not like. It's not like anyone's rooting for Michael Myers. When you, when you watch a slasher movie, you're <laughs> yeah. generally voting for the slasher, rooting for the slasher. I don't know. It's just a, it's a more pure, like kind of fun monster movie. Like, and they, there's not that many made of them anymore, especially now there's not. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's, I loved monster movies when I was a kid yeah. growing up, all the Godzilla stuff, all of the, the giant rampaging animals, like, you know, yeah. them, Empire of the Ants. And was it, they even made, uh, remember that movie Food of the Gods where, there were like a bunch of rats and rabbits and stuff that ate, ate some toxic waste and grew to enormous size. So uh, all that, uh, I, all those movies were tons of fun when I was a kid. So I think that's the difference between like a slasher movie or a horror movie is the fun factor, right? The monster movie has a, like a, a, a hint of kind of fun and joy in it. Versus yeah, like, like tongue a, in cheek. Yeah, basically. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of that in this movie. I, to me, the scene that really sums it all up is where they're out at the desert at the end. And they're on the rock and they get the one worm to take the bomb, you know, and eat it down there. And, and they, you know, it blows up and they cheer. Yay! And then all of a sudden all the worm guts land on them. Yeah. And, and everybody's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so that's, that's a good example of the tone of this movie in, in one scene. Colin, you okay, dude? You <laughs> hanging in there? I'm good. <laughs> okay. 
Keep going. Uh, maybe we can talk about the cast a little bit just quickly. It's Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are the two leads in this. Uh, Kevin Bacon, very famously, you can hear him reference this in multiple interviews. He had basically a mental breakdown when he was thinking about participating in this movie because he got signed to do it. And then he was walking down the street with his wife and he, I guess, you know, nearly collapsed and said, oh, my God, he's making a movie about goddamn underground worms. He thought his career was in bad shape. And initially he did not like this movie, but he's grown to appreciate it and references that in uh, interviews quite often when he's asked about it now. I think he had made a couple of not great movies. Right. And so he was. He was at a bad point in his career. And then, of course, the pregnant wife. Things just sort of turn around. You get that one movie, right? Yeah. I was trying to think what movies he made before this. Quicksilver is the one that comes to mind where he was a like a bike messenger, I think. Bike messengers, yes. When bike messengers yeah. were, were big. I, I think Footloose was his, like, his hit, but that was, what, six years prior. So I don't think he had another good hit until... Uh, and even Tremors wasn't considered a hit. Um, Hold on, now I have to look and see. So he, before this, he'd done, uh, like, She's Having a Baby, Criminal Law, never heard of it, The Big Picture, that wasn't that good. Um, Quicksilver. And then in 1990, he did Tremors and Flatliners, and then he started to make a good comeback. In, in 1990, he made, he made one really good movie, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but I don't think I don't it was a big that. role, right? I mean, so, there's really nothing here between Footloose, nothing good, at least, in Tremors. Yeah, so it goes Footloose, then, let's see. What's your Kevin Bacon reference movie? Is it is it Footloose, or is it Tremors? Or is there another uh, kind of candidate? Hmm. That's a good question, actually. You know, one movie that jumps to my mind when I think of him is The River Wild, for whatever reason. Hmm. That and Mystic River are two movies that jump to mind when I think of Kevin Bacon. But, yeah. but Tremors probably sticks out in my head just due to my familiarity with it and my uh, desire to, to watch it again yeah probably tremors though i love apollo 13 and a few good men no he's had a lot of really good i mean he hasn't been like a as great lead actor as much as like no. a great like second or great like co-lead almost he's a great uh, but, co-star but yeah. yeah it's yeah i don't know if he can carry the mo- a movie all by himself but like he does a great great job with being a co-star if i if i imagine uh Kevin Bacon, it's the it's the big hair and the cowboy hat from Tremors for sure. That's his yeah. like signature Kevin Bacon to me, or the se- six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So it also stars Fred Ward. So Fred Ward is his is his buddy. I think of Fred Ward obviously this movie immediately, but also Uncommon Valor. I talked about it back when we did Year in Review. But I just think the chemistry between the two of them is so great. I yeah. just think that they have you, they look like they're having a great time together, and that's the energy that comes out of this whole movie. Everybody looks like they're having just a great time. Agreed. Like that, and Fred Ward's like, um, he just does a great job as kind of like almost a straight man. Almost Kevin Bacon's kind of the goofy young kid, and, and Kevin and Fred Ward's he's not wise veteran because he's not that wise, <laughs> but he's like playing that role to a certain degree. So it's actually it works out really really well. It's sort of big brother little brother, yeah, or even like uncle nephew because there's a big yeah. age difference between them. I yeah. mean, Fred Ward was I think like I think it was forty eight. Something like that when you do this. Well, the funny thing, too, is you see it in every time they do like rock, paper, scissors for like five different times for different things. And Fred Ward wins every single one. (laughs) It's just hilarious. (laughs) I I started to watch. I'm like, oh, is he throwing the same thing every time? Like, because Kevin Bacon lost, I think, the first two or three times he lost on like whatever scissors. Oh, it's funny. I didn't even pay attention to that. Does does he throw the, do they throw the same? He ended up changing it later in the movie. The first two or three were the same. And then, uh, which made me like, I'm like, oh, 
it, it'd be funny if they just kept the same exact thing every single time. Yeah, but. or the repetition of some of the, you know, kind of the beats or the, the way that they communicate between the two of them. So the rocks, paper, scissors thing is great. Just the dialogue back and forth where they're, you know, casually insulting each other in a friendly way is fun. Obviously, the, you know, the cigarettes and the lighter and all that and tap in the pockets. I mean, that's one of the things I really love about this movie is the attention to detail. I think it does a nice job of threading. It keeps a couple of little, you know, sort of story beats that just go all the way through it. It pays off nicely at the end. I mean, considering that they use the lighter to light the bomb at the very last part. And he also mentioned Stampede. So I think they do a good job of close looping it. Colin, I'm just not feeling it today, dude. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to say? I don't know. Something. Yeah. Anything? <laughs> Agreed. What what do, you, what do you think of Fred Warrior? I'm like looking, thinking about him prior to it. I couldn't really place him. Like he's he's like the famous actor, but you don't really know anything he's been in. Gus Grissom, yeah, the right and, stuff, uh, right stuff. And that's the, what it, I knew him from. What about what about Remo Williams? Was that a movie that hit either of your guys' radar? No, no, <laughs> no. It's just I'm sorry. It's just not. Unfortunately, the adventure. It's funny. Begins. I don't think I've ever actually seen that movie. And it's funny. I mean, as a as a Fred Ward fan, I know lots of there's there's it seems to be a small cult following for that movie. I confuse it with not, Turk 142. Wasn't it Turk 182? Yeah, Whatever. it was. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, though, after this movie came out and I watched it like basically binge watched it during a summer just over and over and over. After that, I think I had a little bit of a man crush on Fred Ward and looked for like every movie that he was in after that. Fred Ward's awesome. I mean, the yeah. man's just awesome in this movie. Oh, totally. Yeah, just I, the, the energy, the, the confidence, the casual confidence, and the uh, again, the ribbing on each other is just great. Mm-hmm. Their, their back and forth is fantastic. Uh, well, then, of course, we have Michael Gross. So at the time, he was known as the dad on Family Ties. Uh, so casting him in this role as Burt Gummer was definitely against type as a you know, kind of crazy survivalist dude. He's he's tons of fun in this movie. He has he has great energy. Uh, he you know really does do a good job playing against type. He's married to Reba McIntyre in the movie, so as a couple, they're tons of fun. I can't, however, see him as being the lead in five sequels or whatever it is. Like that would be that'd be that's an awful lot of Burt Gummer. I think I'd I think I'd have to pump the brakes on that actually. Dave, the the, the answer to the question is um, someone had to. And he he willingly stepped in. Once Family Ties was over, his his options were limited. It's like, hey man, if if there's an opportunity there, just go for it, grab it. I, I, it surprises me, I guess, that the the character is as enduring as it is over that many seasons. It is it is odd because he is not one of the stars. He's a he's a medium player, definitely. He, he, and he has the one great scene in the rec room for sure. Well, that's the thing. The movie appeals to like numerous people for numerous reasons, and I think uh, Bert Bert appeals to the prepper crowd. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> the survivalist out there? Yeah, exactly. He's the uh, king of the survivalists. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the movie also has Finn Carter in it, who shows up as Rhonda, the seismologist. And she actually has fantastic chemistry with uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. I think the three of them actually work really well together. Um, she did not go on to have a career. Uh, prolific <laughs> career, however. Uh, career? She I has a she career. Was. She had a career. She 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 definitely was a working actress. I mean, but yeah. you know, she was doing she like moved to TV TV episodes here and there, and a couple and like extended you know stays on a few shows. But like, yeah, yeah nothing which, major. Which is too bad too, because I thought she did a really good job with her uh, her role here as the the scientist. And the, yeah, yeah, I always really liked it. Right then, I was thinking a little bit because I watched it again, 
And it's like, well, yeah, Finn Carter didn't have a great career. And I started thinking about it. I'm going like, well, that's 1990. Ooh, what do you, do you think this would be, a, this movie would be better with Gillian Anderson as Rhonda? No. No? Uh, no, no, no. She's too. Gillian Scully. Anderson. We're talking know, like Dana Scully. Yeah. No, but that, we're talking about Dana Scully era Gillian Anderson. How, how old would, would Gillian Anderson have been at that point? Like 22, 23. I think she doesn't she was, she have this. That same... young when they were making the X Files. I mean, no, she was like she was twenty six when they made the X Files. So this would have been, yeah. that was, um, yeah, this was so this is about four years before that. So yeah, about twenty two. I mean, I'm comparing her to uh, obviously Scully, but she's like too cerebral. You needed a, who you need in this role is Bambi. <laughs> well, so that's what that's what actually got me on this line of thinking. This is no place for an. an entomologist and i was thinking like this is no place for a seismologist yeah and and then i was like oh oh yeah scully scully jillian anderson would be great in this role no but i don't think she like i mean she'd do a good job with it and be fine but i don't think the character i don't think scully in that role is not, it's just too not scully not scully just jillian, jillian anderson. anderson yeah but you see her as scully as the scientist she's just scully to marcus well the the, the scientist role of of the FBI agent that she was. No, but I love her. So I'll, I'll take Julian Anderson anywhere. So there we go. Would you take her to uh, the store to get some groceries? Sure. If she wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, open invitation. <laughs> <laughs> you need some oranges or something. Uh, we can take it, care of you. It's like Uber only it's called Marcus. And he only has one function. He just shows up and drives you to the store and back. I like it. All right. I, I just want to say that, you know, I do love Finn Carter in this. I was just thinking like, you know, she again. We haven't really seen anything so of her since then. So, Jillian Anderson might be like really, really great. And did you guys read anything about alternate casting on this movie? I didn't see anything when I was researching it. I didn't really research it. Uh, I didn't research it either, but except for one, Melvin, uh, Robert Jane. <laughs> so, I swear to God, up until like about a week ago, I always thought Melvin was played by Jason Hervey from The Wonder Years. Oh, oh yeah. I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally see that actually. Yeah. I swear to God, I was like, oh, it's Jason Hervey. And I was like, wait, is it? <laughs> Fun stuff. All right. All right. Okay, maybe the last person to mention would be Victor Wong, who plays Walter Chang. Graboids! Yeah, and he, he gives the, the worm creatures the name of uh, Graboids. Victor and Wong was fantastic as Walter. He, uh, he's fun to see. He'll always be egg, egg Shen to me. He'll always be Egg Shen to me, but uh, Walter Chang is a close second. It's our third Victor Wong movie. Oh, because he was in uh, The Last Emperor. And Big Trouble Little China. I guess we didn't do a full episode on Big Trouble, did we? Yeah. that was We, we need to rectify that at some point. Did mention that most of this movie is shot outside, and movie opens with, so Val and Earl, Valentine and Earl, played by Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, respectively, are this i thought was kind of funny because they're sleeping in the back of their truck but it does show them that they have a trailer a little bit later in the movie so why were they sleeping in the truck exactly i think they drove out to some other location to do something they're helping someone out because they wanted they wanted val to be able to take a piss off of a cliff off of a cliff oh that's right and you know that it does it ties back to the cliff at the end there you go it's the exact same space yeah so they go all they go full circle I wonder what it was that they decided to just stop and sleep out there versus go back to the trailer. But anyway, I think they were too drunk to go back. They they do wake up, and of course, uh, one of the first things they want to do is, is grab a cigarette. 
Kevin Bacon does wake up Fred Ward by pretending that there's a stampede because there's some cows off to the side. So that's kind of funny. He rolls out of the back of the truck. And then when he looks up onto the screen, it's a great moment. It's a great Fred Ward face, actually. <laughs> He's staring down the cows and he has kind of one raised eye. And it's just, it's a, it's a cool introduction to both the characters. It's funny. And of course, um, Kevin Bacon pulling his underwear out of his butt is just so, so Val. It sort of sets the tone for it's like, oh, it's, oh, Kevin Bacon. Oh, this Kevin Bacon. Okay. It's not the glamorous Kevin Bacon. No, they have a quick debate over who's going to make breakfast. And I think it was, was it beans and bacon? And that's what somebody made yesterday or whatever. Um, so they have a cigarette. And then this is when they first do their rocks, paper, scissors moment. So again, great, great little, you know, use of foreshadowing in terms of them playing with the lighter and just how they're going to carry the, you know, rocks, paper, scissors theme in terms of how they make decisions across the movie. So it's fun. Yeah, they, they really sort of set the tone with the um, really good sort of redneck, witty repartee between Val and Earl. Did you know Rochambeau is like a California thing? And like people don't call it that on the East Coast? Yeah, Rochambeau is actually when you're you when like when you kick each other in the nuts until someone vomits. Is mm, that? That's, no, that's, really that's what I was... Both. Huh? No? What? Rock, <laughs> that's what I was told. When I, <laughs> you know what? We, when sh- I, we should play. I'll go first. When, when, I, when I call... When I... <laughs> At some point, on the kicking side, for I clarity. called this, you know, rock paper scissors Rochambeau, and somebody looked at me and like, "That's oh. not what that is. It that's when you do that." Thank God. So, anyways, uh, so Val, <laughs> so Val and Earl end up driving back towards town. Uh, this is where you get the introduction to Finn Carter's character Rhonda. There's a fun moment where, so Val is expressing a desire to meet the new seismologist, geologist, Ge- no seismologist. She's she's a geologist. Yeah. So there's a funny moment where Kevin Bacon is, uh, you know, he's getting excited because he, you know, he knows that it's going to be a girl. And so he drives out there and he's, he's rattling off his list of all the things he wants her to have. Hair, big green eyes, world-class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up. And then there's a fun moment where they pull up and you know, Finn Carter has a sun hat on and nose coat, and it's just, you know, you, you see the little bit of disappointment on Kevin Bacon's face, and that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> he lives in a town of 14 and, and, people. He needs to be a little less uh, picky. <laughs> Dave, and you forgot, and legs that go all the way up. <laughs> uh, you you can tell that they were having fun making this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and what's what's fun about this, too, is this is you right from the get-go, you see that, that Fred Ward, or he thinks that maybe they should pay attention to each other because you know he gives Kevin Bacon a little bit of the side eye and, and that sort of thing and, and and offers to you know check the seismographs even though they have no experience doing it as a way to potentially you know allow Kevin Bacon to circle back with Rhonda so it's it's fun you know he's he's that what like the uncle figure father figure older brother whatever it is and he's trying to look out for Val so that's kind of fun agreed <laughs> rawrid <laughs> you're just nailing it here dave you're just nailing it 100 percent. it's a podcast dude so <laughs> i talk you talk we talk okay after they meet Rhonda, they head back into town and this is where you actually do get to see the town of perfection which as marcus mentioned in the beginning has a population of 14 it was a set that was built entirely uh it was entirely constructed for the movie so there were no pre-existing structures you know the, the outdoor scenery is beautiful. I mean, it's a it's a really cool spot. I've actually gone hiking in that area, uh, but the town itself is fun. And when you go in there, they go to Chang's store, and that's where you're introduced to Bert Gummer, who is 
arguing about a delivery of ammunition and it's not hollow point or something like that. And uh, so you just you get that this guy might be a gun nut right off the bat. So that's how they introduce you to him. Walter's basically like the guy in, in, in Terminator. Hey, pal, just switch a C. <laughs> yeah, I think they do a great job with this set of uh, perfection. It's just like this rundown, small little town, like what you'd expect, like going through like a small little nowhere spot off the uh, freeway. You know, it's like one gas station maybe that doubles as the convenience store that doubles as like the, uh, you know, the only spot to go. It's a town of 14 people. You got like garbage and run down yeah. tractors and yeah like i question whether not this town could actually be self-sustaining honestly no so but i think it would be like be a little difficult i think they like talked about that i guess things were a couple hours away you'd have people working on uh different things and it takes a lot to make an economy i don't know but they're all living <laughs> off bert's money I think, I think once val and earl leave like the town basically shuts down because there's no one to fix anything yeah that too yeah and say so that is the job. So there's a there's a fun moment where they're going into town and the they end up having a, a job to do, which in this case is clearing out the septic system for uh, Melvin. And so there's a pretty funny moment where they're you know connecting the hose and the hose ruptures and they get, just basically get sprayed down with liquid shit. <laughs> and and that that frustrates them to the point where they decide screw it, they're going to leave this town once and for all. So and that's where that's where you meet Melvin, by the way, the kid who. Uh, they give him a pretty funny intro where his opening line is he's asking them to go down to the store and get him a six pack and he'll pay for it. So Melvin's kind of funny. He's like a 15 year old or something too. So I got a, uh, unanswerable question or maybe you can answer it. Whose kid is Melvin? (laughs) He's the, uh, it was the, um, I mean, is he Nestor's kid or what? Cause I don't really know. Nestor's the one, the guy who gets uh, sucked through the tire. He gets eaten by the, t- the yeah, tire. Yeah, that's who he is. Yeah. So he. Do we know so that? Nestor's his father. I don't know if we know that for sure, but I think that was. I don't the... think we know that for sure. That's why I say yeah. I think it's an unanswerable question because it's never really referred to. The now, who lives in the house where Melvin was when they were um, cleaning out the septic system? Because I saw. Was that Nestor's house? No, so I'm not sure who's. Um, I forget. Uh, Mindy. Mindy and the daughter. Aunt. Mindy's the girl, but her and her mom. mom yeah, yeah. I think they were stuck on the roof of that house. But then you see Mindy's mom out in front of the other house when she's asking them to like build the kiln. So I don't know. I don't know what's going. On. I, it's. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good point. I've, I've never actually thought about who was Melvin's parent. I have no idea. I guess it has to be Nestor by process of elimination, right? And yet Nestor never never yelled at him or uh, said anything to him as far as I can tell. Yeah, so Nestor is basically absentee father is what you're saying. Possibly. Oh, man, I didn't think about that. I think we have to put this out to the greater Tremors community. You know, you know Child Protective Services? Maybe. Is, uh, is Melvin getting the support Melvin's he needs? Father or mother? Melvin's father. Maybe Walter adopted him and was taking care of him. The other thing that I like about that is uh, written on the side of the septic tank pump they're using is uh, Chang's, like you pump it, I think something like that. So it's actually, it's Walter Chang's uh, septic pump. Walter so. is too great of an entrepreneur to be He's, stuck he is, out in Walter is a master entrepreneur in this film. He, he really needs to step it up again a bit. Maybe go to Bixby. I don't know, but perfection's just too too small for him. He needs a town of like 30 
It's more of a village. Bixby's more of a village. <laughs> so the, yeah, they're frustrated by you know, getting sprayed down with shit, and they challenge each other, and they say, you know what, we're driving out of town, screw this, you know, we're going to go find uh, greener pastures. And so they have a fun moment where they run back, and they load up their truck, and they're getting ready to head out of town. And you know, they here's a, one of the reasons why I like this movie is that there's one extra second given to like a character beat for Valentine to run in and grab a grab a vacuum cleaner. He says, "You like this vacuum cleaner?" And then they back out, and Earl leans out and grabs the uh, sign that their place, Val and Earl's place. Just little tiny things like that along the way that they allow these characters to do, and it, it just it's fun, right? There's just you know, it, it gives them personality. Yeah, you got the sense that they were aiming to leave town. Like their goal had always been to like save up and get out get out of perfection once they you know had enough to uh, make it in the big city. Yeah, of Bixby. <laughs> there, there's one shot. Uh, and I think it's before they actually decide to leave, but they're they're like doing some chores, and they uh, they take a break, and they they're essentially like in a junkyard, <laughs> and uh, they sit down and put their feet up, and uh, and then uh, Val pulls a couple of uh, cold beers out of a commode. Out of a toilet, yeah. <laughs> <It has> a cocktail. <laughs> and it's just the little stuff like that that is just so endearing about this movie. Endearing is a great word for for these two characters. It's just, you, you, you like them. You want to hang out with them. That's the energy they put off uh, throughout the entire movie. So Val and Earl end up deciding they're gonna, they are going to make their ride out of town. They have one moment of temptation where, as they're pulling out, they're flagged down, uh, and they're given an offer to spend a month i think building a kiln and and they're gonna she's gonna throw in beer but they're excited because they resist temptation and they they go to drive out of town i can't believe we said no to free beer (laughs) we did it we did it we faced temptation and did not beer goddamn praise the lord (laughs) now there is nothing and i mean nothing between us and bixby but nothing Uh, as they're driving out of town they notice that there's a guy who's up on a utility pole and they think that it's a worker at first, and then they, they realize they recognize him. So it's probably maybe the local homeless guy or something. Was it old Edgar, I Edgar believe is his name? Edgar Deeds. Mel- yeah, so... Melvin's dad? <laughs> oh, 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 maybe. All right, I said, I have to, let me just check and see if Melvin has a last name. <laughs> no, Melvin does not have a last name. Egg, oh, it, Edgar it was, Melvin was Plug. It's Melvin Plug. Why does Melvin have a last name? No one else is a plug. No one on the whole rest. Earl Bass. Yeah. It's just Nestor. It's just Nancy. Burt Gummer. The doctor, the doctor's wife. No, it says Melvin and his parents. Melvin and his parents? Yeah, in the trivia. Town Perfection is a state of population 14. And the habits are Edgar, Fred, Nancy, Mindy, Miguel, Walter, Val, Earl, Bert, Heather, Nestor, Melvin, and his parents. <laughs> they must have gotten eaten the day before. Yeah, Melvin's parents are just AWOL. Many often mistakenly forget to list Melvin's parents and instead replace them with the doctor and his wife. But the doctor and wife cannot count as they had just moved and weren't yet official residents. Hold on. Research ongoing. <laughs> yep, that's it. This is a hard-hitting topic, too. <laughs> this is make or break for the entire podcast, market. Though they are never mentioned or appear, it is a thought that Melvin's parents spend most of their time in Las Vegas and left them behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Smart move. Based on Melvin's uh, actions during the movie and his general uh, attitude, that probably makes sense. Oh, so they'd go to Vegas because uh, they're gamblers. No, they just don't like Melvin. So they they want to get away. We need some space from this kid. Just need a break. 
So we're back at the utility pole, I believe. He lost another round of rock, paper, scissors. He did, yeah. So they, 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 yes, they use rock, paper, scissors. Uh, Val has to climb up there. They then bring him back into town. The doctor looks at him and uh, they make a decision, their determination that he died of dehydration. So they're confused as to why somebody would climb a pole and be up there for a couple of days. It is confounding. Yeah, I, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And then at this point, they, they decide. So they decide they're going to go for help, right? Isn't that when they when they try to make the drive out at that point that they switch to driving to get help? No, 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 no. Oh, the roads, no, the roads, no, uh, no, 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 blocked. No, 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 no. No, they, they, no, could, they no, go to old no, Fred's. Old Fred. Old they go to old Fred's. Yeah. So they they go to old Fred's and they so they drive past the construction workers. They're still trying to get out of town, and they find old Fred's place. Which so you see old Fred a little bit earlier oh, yeah, had some yeah. sheep, the sheep and a pen and. The sheep get munched and old Fred gets munched. That's and there's right. kind of a cool moment because there's a hat on the ground and they pick up the hat and it's Fred's face. So it's great shot. His, it's either his head or his face. It's a, it's a yeah. fun shot and you see, you know, Kevin Bacon jump back. This is weird. This is real weird. Oh, Jesus! What the hell is going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? There's a really funny moment where they drive back past the construction workers and Valentine leans out the window and he's yelling at him. He's like, there's a real psycho on the loose. And they both have like the crazy eyes and they just keep going. And the construction workers think that they're just getting fucked with. But sure enough, no, then immediately after that, they pretty much get eaten. The construction workers do. And also um, when he was at Old Fred's, the uh, when they were trying to pull away, the car got um, stuck. Right. And they were no, trying to, yeah, that was. No, no, that's no, not that yet. The, uh, God damn it. Man, you're all <laughs> over the place. What do I know? Uh, All right, we're taking a break here, so Marcus can watch the movie again. Yeah, I watched it too um, long ago. Question, question about old Fred. First of all, that is great. Um, I, I almost think it might have been his face because there's like all this blood just around the edge where it, but I don't know. It's a really cool, cool scene. Old Fred, anyone, like, he sort of reminds me of Freddy Krueger. Anyone else? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't quite get that, maybe because he was out in the middle of the day. What's well, like right sun. the hat? His and face, was, his face almost looks like a mask. Hmm. Not, and I'm not talking about the face, like on the dirt. I'm talking about like the actual character, the actor. No, you know, I didn't get that, but um, I okay. you know, I but I didn't yeah, see well. Freddie Krueger as a shepherd. You know, <laughs> you can own your tremors, truth. <laughs> it is my truth. Freddie Freddie okay. Krueger retired All to right. raise sheep in perfection. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Move on, move along. They make another run out of town, and this is where they they go to where the construction workers at this point have been attacked and there's a pretty funny moment where valentine's with kevin bacon you see him he kind of looks around on either side as to you know could there be a killer in the area so it's just a fun little moment like his his, his facial expressions in this movie are, are great they go they go to drive back into town and the truck is stuck and they can't actually get away and then, and then all of a sudden the, you know they, they're able to free themselves and the truck goes rocketing back towards town so be, before that scene we actually do get to see the uh the highway workers attacked right yeah and yeah. um at one point, you know, they're jackhammering and then all of a sudden there's like this blood comes out from the from the surface of the of the of the, uh, the roadway. And then all of a sudden the, the jackhammer just goes zinging across the roadway upright. And I always think, oh, that's very reminiscent of like the barrel scene in Jaws. I used so, to say the same thing. Yeah. So it's yeah. like sort of it's just it all goes back to Jaws, except if like and except if Jaws was a comedy. Well, and it yeah. makes sense because if this movie was called Land Sharks, that's the original script. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. 
You know, I was also thinking that scene reminded me of the beginning of Jaws when the woman's swimming and, and she's attacked and she gets pushed along. Yeah. Like that same mm-hmm. sort of, mm-hmm. very yeah. similar to that too. Yeah. So, yeah. But that, yeah, that scene's fun. It's another good example of the practical effects when they jackhammer to the ground. You see like the orange blood, you know, come bubbling up out of the ground. So it's all really well done. And it also sets up the fact that there's no, they can't call out to anyone because it, yeah. it pulls down the, the telephone lines. Yeah. yeah, I thought they did a great job with all the the little exposition to like kind of explain away a lot of different things. That's one of the reasons why I think this is so impressive, especially for a first time director. Yeah, I mean, first time director, this movie is really tight and well made. Um, it's I think it's super impressive. Yeah, they answer a lot of those little questions just with like quick explanations. Speaking of first time director, because I didn't realize that. In fact, I was like Ron Underwood. I don't even think I've ever heard of him other than this, and then I realized. His next movie in 1991, City Slickers. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. Another great movie. He had a really great one-two there. And that's about it. <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah. Afterwards, not so sure, but... Pluto Nash, right? Is, isn't, doesn't he also make Pluto Nash, though? Isn't he the director of Pluto Nash? And that, yes. Isn't that what kind of... And, and then after that, if you look at his progression, he does a lot more television directing, I think, right? Yes, he does a lot of TV after that. Um, yeah. He also did Mighty Joe Young, which I never saw. Probably, uh, yeah, but, but I never Pluto saw it. But I think Bill Paxson might be in that movie, right? Who Paxson? Paxton is, is he in Mighty Joe Young? Uh, I don't know because I never saw it. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Charlize, yeah, Charlize, Charlize and Bill. Bill Paxton. That's an interesting pairing. <laughs> well, I'll see it. Maybe I'll see it now because it's Charlize. Nope, it's a five point six. <laughs> nope, not gonna do it. All right, what's happening with Val Neral? Valor will get back to town, uh, and this is where you see the first graboid or a, a piece of a creature. So you don't know you don't know it's called a graboid as of yet because they haven't named it. What's great about that scene is, and it's a perfect example of this Val and Earl and their sort of their you know their kind of low level stupidity throughout this movie or or the energy that they have because you've never seen this creature. It's a crazy looking. It's got slime coming off of it. It's a you know been ripped in half. Kevin Bacon still, you know, Earl, Valentine wants to turn to Earl and say, you know, next time I tell you I'm not hung up about the truck because they were arguing if he was hung up or not. So I just think that's kind of fun is even in the midst of these greater than life moments or whatever, um, they still have time to, you know, argue about the minutiae, <laughs> which is funny. That's true. I was say, yeah. What I enjoyed about that, too, because like, like a second after that, uh, Walter like jumps in like, I'll give you five dollars for it. <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> this crazy thing just attached to this truck and the first instinct is i want to buy that off of you for five bucks it's just like but what's great about that is they then you see val and Earl, they kind of lean back and they go through this negotiation yeah. and they ended up they end up selling for 15 bucks <laughs> and then and then right after that almost right after that it cuts to a scene where walters you can take pictures with the snake creature for three dollars <laughs> and then there's this like all oh, old chang is what's he say slicker than snot old chang slick as snot and i ain't lying Fifteen lousy fucks. <laughs> I told you so. And plans ahead. Yeah, it's definitely like how you see like the the roadside attractions, like of like road trips. That would be like this kind of spot. See the snake creature. <laughs> yeah, there's a fun scene where they say, "Oh, who's good on who's good on a horse?" And the remaining residents all turn and look at Val and Earl, and they're like, oh, "Okay, they got to go do it." So they're gonna go try to ride and ride to safety, basically, or or you know to get help and bring him back. But bunch of little tiny things that happen in terms of the character interactions that just make this fun. Like Walter comes out and he says, I have some Swiss cheese and bullets for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that? I, I like love that line. Hey, Earl, here's some Swiss cheese and bullets. Swiss cheese and bullets. <laughs> <laughs> they so random. 
<laughs> you just get a sense of like genuine camaraderie among the townsfolk. So that's what's fun about it. It's just they have a, just have a great energy together. There's something else in there. Heather's, you know, given a, um, a rifle to the guys. Val gets totally screwed again because he, he, he gets, uh, what is it, like Walter has a, a like a Winchester rifle. Or no, Edgar, the, he, he gets Edgar Deeb's rifle. But then uh, Heather gives Earl like this really super high-powered scoped rifle <laughs> it's just like Val gets screwed again which, and when you which, see and you see Earl like Earl kind of looks at him like mm-hmm, yeah. yeah I won <laughs> and then I don't know about you guys but like I could listen to Reba talk Reba McIntyre talk about high-powered rifles and ammunition all day it's just so fun <laughs> it's just yeah she does have a great twang in her voice very nice dialogue or, or the way that she delivers it, it's fun easy on the ears so as Val and Earl are riding out, the horses basically go down and end up getting eaten. I'd imagine that people who've seen this movie maybe you know once or twice in their life, this is probably the scene that they remember. And there's a great reveal moment where they're like, well, there must be a thousand of them under the ground. And then you know you actually see the full, this is the first time you see the full creature. And what you realize is that the tentacle that came out that wrapped around their axle is just one piece of a tentacle that erupts out of their mouths. Here's an example of where I think this movie is so great. When, when they're riding on horses and they're riding out, you actually see them ride past the cement ditch in the background. They, they do a really nice job of the exposition in terms of even showing where they are. They run, they try to jump over the ditch, they don't make it, the creature slams itself straight into the edge of the ditch, and then there's this fantastic moment where their Val and Earl are initially surprised, they're not quite sure what's going on, and then of course they're excited because they killed it. And it has the greatest, one of the greatest single deliveries of fuck you in the history of, of, of movies, I think. Stupid son bitch. Knock itself cold. Cold my ass. He's dead. We killed him. We killed it. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> yeah, Kevin does a great job with that. It is. It is really, 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 really good. Um, and then. Um, Sorry, go on. And then, of course, Rhonda shows up. Hey, guys. And, um, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? Like, uh, do you see what we just found here? They go back and they you see him unbury the creature. So you get the scope and the size of the creature. And I don't know, things like what, maybe 40 feet long or something like that. What's funny about that is you also hear him. They start plotting how to make money off of the carcass. Yeah. Right. And this so is like, old Chang's not getting his mitts on this one for no 15 bucks. <laughs> Oh man, I love their yeah. just love the dialogue. Yeah, just Val when they when they when they do like dig it up. Hey, check this out! I found the ass end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The writers did a really good job with it. I think that's what like the script is just so smart. It's like two guys, S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock. They also worked together on Short Circuit and Wild Wild West. I think was the other one they did. What one out of three ain't bad. Yeah, no, Short Circuit's not a bad. Uh, uh, it's gonna go two out of three. Short Circuit's yeah. probably. It's more of a. Uh, family movie Johnny Five it's more alive. of a kids movie yeah it's a family movie Short Circuit Short Circuit has more humorous racism in it <laughs> oh that's true oh yeah. Fisher Stevens oh did she stick her tongue down your throat no, no, no. come on sit in the van and tell me I want to know yes sir. yes come on Newton oh my goodness I am sporting a tremendous woody right now did also uh, Ghost Dad, which is a 1990 uh, movie they worked on together isn't Bill Cosby in that he is the Ghost Dad so they, they're not all winners they did work together with Ron Underwood on Heart and Souls with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Interesting. That's I a, that's a Robert Downey Jr. movie I've never heard of. I think I've seen that. An unhappy businessman finds a new sense of purpose after he's tasked with helping a quartet of ghosts fulfill their last wishes yeah. before moving on. 
I think that was pretty good. So what, what Rhonda realizes is that there's three more. Yeah, there's three more out there. Three more Jaws. Here, here, here's what I love about Val and Earl. She's like trying to explain to them why, you know, triangulating the different seismograph readings and, sh- and stuff. And they're just like, we don't care. We, we, we trust you. We're too, we're too dumb to figure this out. So we trust you. But there, there's, there's a really funny moment. So they're walking and, uh, and Fred Ward steps into a gopher hole. Or no, it was a prairie dog yeah, hole, right? right? And everybody screams and reacts. They think the first like a half second is going to be attacked. Like, he acts like he God. broke his leg. He's yeah. just like. So that's funny. They end up getting chased onto a rock. And so the three of them are there. So it's Val, Earl, and Rhonda. They end up spending the night there. The next morning, they go to try and escape. And of course, the creature is still there. So they realize why Edgar Debs was up in the pole for as long as he was, because they're just going to wait, wait till you die, and then eat you. When they're sitting up there uh, on the rocks and they're trying to figure out what exactly these things are, they're sort of speculating their origins. I thought it was really funny. Earl goes, I vote from I, I vote for outer space. No way these boys are local. Yeah. <laughs> no way these are local boys. Yeah, that's part of the exposition. I thought that was really great. Like they they have the same sort of like questions that you have. So that kind of brings you into the movie too. Like, oh, where do these things come from? Where you know, what are they? It still is never answered and And I love how they're giving each other shit on that one too. Like Val's like, Yeah, Earl, everybody knows about him. They just didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> Yeah, but they, and they do a great job of explaining like the sound, like when they're on the rocks and the sound goes through and vibrates, and they kind of explain the rest of the like, okay, this is how they attack you, and kind of sets up their yeah. kind of rules for the um, for the graboids. Yeah, it's a good point. The exposition on this is pretty tight yeah. in terms of, or it's uh, it's delivered relatively easily. Yeah. And then, so to get off the rocks the next morning. So what, what's fun about this is, and this is a good example of the great chemistry between three of them, is that Rhonda is the one that comes up with the idea. So they find some metal poles. She grabs one, and because uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get to her truck, which is, um, you know, seven or eight big rock formations away. And so they have a fun moment where they're pole vaulting from rock to rock. And what's great about that is there's a really funny moment where. You know, Rhonda does it the first time, no problem. And then you see, I think it's like Kevin Bacon takes a run at it, and he gets about halfway, and then he gets slammed back on the rock. <laughs> like, well, and then I think it's like, is it Fred Ward who spits on his hands before he's going to do it? Like, he's getting, they're getting all excited to do it. It's just, again, it's just fun, great energy. A lot of, a lot of good competition between those two. The, yeah, they're, 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 they're always trying to outdo each other, even in the middle of some absurd, extraordinary circumstances. So I thought this was like, this is like one of the... The, the best scenes in the movie, just the whole pole vaulting from rock to rock. And it's shot really well. You know, they do like this big wide shot and you see them yeah. sort of like all going, all three in tandem going from like rock to rock. It's yeah. really, really good. And it's, and it, and it makes you feel like a kid because yeah. that's sort of what they're doing. It's like when we used to be kids and we'd play yeah. like you know, stay lava. off the floor is lava. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you jump from the couch to the, to the chair, to the, and uh, it's just so much fun. I really like the score during this part of the movie too, because it's it's you know kind of jaunty, it's upbeat, it has a little bit of a you know mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a I don't know what you like uh, hillbilly music was the word I was going to use. Hillbilly music, <laughs> Dave, come on, it's, it's got a positive. Yes, kind it's of... a, it's sort of a twangy um, uh, harmonica, laden, harmonica, uh, yeah. like sort of bluegrassy sort of yeah. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's very upbeat, very very good, great. Great and the score at that point is a good, it's a good indicator that this is not a movie that you're intended to be 
truly frightened of, right? Because it's very, very upbeat and very, um, very fun, high energy. Yeah, I didn't think the music was, I think they use it really well. I didn't think the music was great, but I thought they did a great job with it. If that makes sense. Like it's not. Like, I thought it, I think it just works perfectly. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think they use it really, really well. Yeah, the the score to me is more pronounced when they're doing the do the more fun yeah. type stuff. The the score when the their attacks and stuff are happening is just kind of it's okay yeah, functional. Jaws, it's good. Jaws I mean, light. It, it works fine. What was that yeah. Jaws light? Yeah, it's Jaws light, and, and that's one thing that they also do replicate from Jaws, which is the POV shot that you see in lots of places. And it, it's it's kind of confusing as to where you'd see it because sometimes you see it the above ground version of it in terms of a worm running towards somebody, but. It, it's still kind of a it's still kind of a cool shot, and there's there's they actually do a couple shots where you see the worm actually what the worm would see even though it doesn't have eyes when it's cruising through the ground that I think is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I think all the effect shots I think work pretty well. There's a there's one blue screen shot when the thing breaks into the rec room that is pretty glaring. Uh, the optical effect there is not good. Yeah. They had one point of view shot where the camera is actually off angle. You can see it like tilt back into into like the right way. I think it was one of the it's very sort of first evil, ones. It's like Evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah, it is very Evil Dead, actually. That's a that's a good call out. There's a fun moment too because they all end up pole vaulting into the truck at the same time. Uh, Rhonda has to jump through the window. She's trying to use the gas pedals with her hands, and so her head is down in the, uh, you know, where the pedals are, and she's driving forward. And, and then as the truck is kind of going down the road, waving back and forth, like there's a great moment where Val and Earl are all excited. They got away and they high five each other, not really paying attention to the fact that you know Rhonda's feet are sticking out the back window. Like, again, just just great character stuff all the way through. I think I've had that that dream a few times where I'm I'm trying to control the car and I'll, from the back seat. It's not it's not good, <laughs> not fun. I'll, I'll forever call that the the Rhonda the dream. Rhonda. Is that a is, is that a common dream? I'm not familiar with that dream. Oh yeah, oh. I've had that many times. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Dri- driving with your hands falling, you know, <laughs> the common dreams. No, no, no. Come on, guys. Don't you want to like psychoanalyze me now? No. Right, no, let's move on. All right, enough about okay. me. All right, so Val, Earl, and Rhonda—they get—they get back to town. Uh, at this point, they know obviously what they're facing. They kind of fill everybody else in. The worms basically show up and begin attacking the town. There's a nice moment where you see a little girl who's on a pogo stick, Mindy, and she's going down, and you get a get a chance to see. Here's you know Val, uh, Kevin Bacon's character, being heroic because he, you know, runs out there and uh, saves her from one of the attacks. And then he actually then quickly saves uh, Finn Carter or Rhonda afterwards. Rhonda's pants do come off, which I'm sure for you know some group of nine to twelve year old kids back in the day that that had to be a pretty significant moment, <laughs> including you, Colin. Yes, including me. Colin, you were nineteen at the time. <laughs> yes, it's true. It still it still worked for me. <laughs> and last week, I kept thinking like. I was like, oh, yeah, this is where uh, Rhonda's pants come off. Like, and, I, and I swear to God, I was, I was thinking the rest of the movie, she was pantsless. And now she does. I did not remember correctly. She, They gave her some pants from, from Walter's store. Um, so I guess I was not remembering that correctly. Well, apparently, according to trivia, they only filmed that scene once. And she, uh, she took off her pants for the first time in front of Kevin Bacon, purposefully for the first time, so they could catch the reaction on camera. So in terms of her feeling embarrassed about it, it's all, that's all real. Not, not the killer worm part, but the rest of it's real. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, I did like the, one of the things with the town, that like the town's all kind of rooting for each other and working together. I thought it was a great kind of touch. In the, uh, yeah. You see that in the, when people are on the roof. I think there's a moment where um, 
I don't know if it was that moment where Kevin gets stuck out in the sand and they all start banging on the stuff to uh, make noise so you can get away from the monsters. It's kind of cool. You see in this nice kind of small town, I think that's what like one of the things that movie appeals to people is it has this small town uh, community and like people are all looking out for each other too. So you get the sense that they're in it, they're in it together yeah. and that's, you know, everybody's pulling together to you know, definitely try to help each other for sure. So they're up on the roof. So Kevin Bacon's character is able to get down and get a walkie talkie and he, I'm sorry, a CB radio. And he's talking to Bert Gummer and he's, he's telling him, you know, they're coming for you because, and this is something, this is actually one thing that always confused me. So I'm not being a gun guy. Uh, there's a scene where Reba McIntyre pours some bullets into a device that is shaking them. Anybody it's know what, what, a, what? That's a hopper. What, what does it do? Hops. It hops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've always wondered what that thing does myself. But yeah, I do believe it's a hopper. And I think it's doing something with using spent shells. And uh, so you can use them again and you can... Uh, I'll probably clean them off then. I don't know. I'm making this shit up as you go along. So I was wondering if they're like spent shells, like, and it's like you're using sand, clean it out yeah, basically, yeah. and then you can that, repack it. Like that's kind of what I was thinking it was, but yeah. I'm not familiar with it. Don't matter. But no. the vibration of those things then sends the the graboids do make a run for Burt Gummer's place, and this is probably this and the ditch are probably maybe the two I would imagine most most well known moments in Tremors because there's a great sequence where the graboid busts through the wall, and this is where you see Burt Gummer and his wife just go crazy because when it, there's a, there's a really funny moment where it pans back and you, and you see them and what's revealed on the wall of their rec room is all of these guns, right? The John wick wall of guns, <laughs> the, the, how they shot that with them just sort of like backing away. And then all of a sudden backing into the back wall, which is completely full of guns. Yeah. yeah. Totally unexpected. It's really shot really, really well. Yeah. Super. It impressive. is. It's a, it's a great reveal. It's a fun reveal. And it's just, you know, you laugh when you see yeah. it. And then also their energy changes from like, not scared, but like, okay, like now let's bring it on. And like the, the gun toting. Yeah. It's come like, at it's, me. It's, come at me. Come on. A, like, you know. stand off at the gummers. It's broken to the wrong goddamn record, didn't you, you <laughs> bastard? <laughs> well, this, and this is their moment, right? Because yeah. this is what they've been right. preparing for. This, this is, and so, and so you see them get excited. Like there's a, yeah, exactly. when, when Val says they're coming, there's a great moment where Michael Gross gets up and he looks out the window like, you know, he's anticipating the attack. Yeah. It's That whole scene is fun. And of course, they, they pull out like, as the Graboid is sitting there. They go with like every gun you can imagine, right? They have M16. He gets a shotgun at one the point. He breaks into, he bre- yeah, he breaks into uh, one case and pulls out, what, what is that, a 10 gauge? Uh, I don't know. Is that, a, is that what it is? It's yeah. an elephant gun. Elephant gun? Yeah. It's an elephant gun. I, I distinctly remember them uh, when I first saw this and they were just like using everything under the sun. It wasn't really effective. I'm like, they need an elephant gun. And then he just <laughs> pans over, breaks the glass and takes out this huge, probably about a five foot long barrel on oh, this awesome. gun. And these shells that are, I don't know, they're bigger than like like my hand. <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. That scene was good enough to earn Michael Gross seven additional films. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's how good that scene was. And just that scene. I think he like loved it too. Like I can like just his he embraces that role so well and his the zeal he has for it just must be like such a stark difference from uh the the dad on Family Ties, right? Like <laughs> oh, such yeah. a Mr. Keaton to Burt Gummer. Yeah. It's fantastic. After they've shot this thing up, you just see it there and it's all mangled and it has a bunch of holes in it and it's slime is coming out of it. It's just, again, the creature effects in this movie are great. It just looks really good. I think this is something that we might have skipped over back in town at Walter's when the um, Pepsi machine starts going off with the uh, bad compressor 
And, oh, yeah. right? and so they jump on it and they're trying to get it unplugged from the wall. And then the, the graboid comes up through the floor and it, and it grabs Walter and oh, Walter dies. Right. And yeah. this is just like Quint dying in Jaws, right? <laughs> it is. It's, 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 and not that, I, I will say that the, the attack that they show with Walter where the, th- the things come out and just go right in his back. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, looks, it looks really effective and it looks like it would be very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. poor Walter. Poor Walter. Walter meets his demise. So back in town and then Val and Earl are up on the roof and they decide that the way they're going to make a run out of town is there's an old tractor there or there's a, a you know big cat that they're going to use to tow a trailer that they have, the back of a, a tractor trailer, use that as their escape route. And so this is this is one of my favorite moments in the movie because they because to get to there they have to make a run across open ground and so they set up a small tractor as a distraction and then what's great about it is Val and Earl are arguing among the two of them as to who's going to do this. Each one wants to go themselves because they're trying to look out for the other guy and they have a when they decide that you know initially that Fred Ward's going to make the run because he wins rocks paper scissors which they use again. Uh, their exchanges. Good luck, shithead. Don't worry about me, jerk off. <laughs> so that's their expression of affection towards each other. But of course, Kevin Bacon, you know, heroically punches Fred Ward in the stomach and then jumps off the roof and makes a run for the tractor. And that's where you see what Marcus was referencing earlier, where the town comes together to try and distract that's the worms because he gets stuck about halfway out yeah, there. Yeah, the, the distraction tractor crashes. Little mule. He makes it. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to the tractor. This is like one of the yeah it's it's just such such a great idea because it's so, you're not even thinking about a tractor like that old beat up piece of shit out there but it's perfect yeah it's it's like it's a massive like tank yeah like, yeah worms can't do anything to that yeah. would they would they have the gas to get out of town though that's well, my that was, I was my question about that myself it, it would take a while too <laughs> what what is the range of a of a fully gassed up bulldozer how could you actually how far could you they go? wanted to get into the mountains was the uh, the plan and then they could. Uh, I'm thinking the answer is no. They they would have run out of gas. Probably, probably, yeah. Well, so they do. So they they do end up hooking up the trailer. Everybody jumps in the back, and then they head towards Bert Gummer's place because they're going to pick up uh, Bert and his wife. And there's a there's a fun moment where you see the you see the tractor coming up the road and it's dragging the trailer behind it. And there's a nice little score beat that's very. It's kind of it, the, the, there's a little, little rising moment of the score that is very you know it has this sort of heroic energy to it. It's a little, it almost felt like John Williams-esque for a second when the when the tractor shows up at Bert's place. A short second. <laughs> I think the score is no, fine. That's what I'm saying. I think it's fine. It's not John Williams, but... No, no I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not making a, I'm not making that assertion yeah. just for clarity. Yeah, then the, uh, the gummers, I like that. They were, uh, they're already prepared. They're making all these uh, pipe bombs. Making pipe bombs. <laughs> what, what the hell's in those things, Bert? You household chemicals in the proper proportion. <laughs> That's such a great line. And, and the other thing is a little bit later when he, he has some fuse oh, with yeah, him yeah. And, and, and they're using the fuse to create these pipe bombs. And, uh, you know, a little bit later he says, well, what do you, what do you, it's like, this is cannon fuse. It's like, well, what do you use it for? And Bert Gummer looks at him like confused, like my cannon. <laughs> Duh. Duh. You don't have Doesn't a cannon? Have a cannon? Yeah. You don't have a cannon? Of course. Of course Bert, Bert has a cannon. Uh, unanswerable question I have is why is that Bert Gummer an Atlanta Hawks fan? Because he's from Atlanta. Is he? I saw in some sequels so. he has a uh, Chicago Cubs hat on. Mm. Mm. Maybe he's also from Chicago. I don't know. Right. Maybe he just is too cheap to buy he just, a hat. He just gets whatever hat's like, handed to him. These are, uh, yeah. I'm sure there's a research on the online somewhere. 
He's trying. He's trying to confuse the government. <laughs> there might be something to that, actually. I'm guessing he does not have a social media profile today. No. He's underground. Oh yeah. By the way, um, there's um, back in town before they left. The worms are terrorizing everyone, especially Melvin. There's at one point, you know, he he just starts whining. He gets like really scared, and he sounds just like Private Hudson from Aliens. <laughs> It's almost like, you know, game over, man, game over. Yeah, Melvin is uh, Melvin is losing. He loses his shit a little bit. And it's great, too, because Melvin is a shit disturber over the course of the movie. At one point, he throws a basketball at somebody. Who is it? Like, he throws a basketball, I think, at Fred Ward and tells him that... Or, no, he runs outside because he has, the, he has the, the small graboid around his neck. He's pretending oh, yeah. he's getting attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Bird Gummer's having none of it. He's super pissed off. He, he points a gun at him where he basically says, like, you were this close to getting shot. <laughs> yeah, Melvin's, Melvin's a dick. Melvin. He's a good comedic relief. It works well. So back in the tractor trailer, they're, they're heading up the road. They're going to get to their you know, hard rock so they can escape from these things. One thing that I thought was kind of weird is they show they're driving along and you see a bunch of activity off to the side you know, where they say the monsters are doing something. They're, they're you know, disturbing the dirt. And they say, oh, well, what are they doing? They're doing it way over there. But then apparently what they were doing was digging a trap. Yeah. So I guess my only question is, can they not see that the road wraps around to where those monsters are digging? That, that's, that's the one thing that I didn't, didn't think worked exactly right in terms of the geography. Well, you know, Val was driving. What I want to know is how did the, uh, the worms know that they were like digging right underneath the road? And were they even on a road? Because they're on a tractor. They're just heading for the mountains. Yeah. It's a Jeep trail, right? Uh, okay, Jeep trail. Yeah. But yes, there's a, you know, the monsters suddenly get very smart because they're able to dig a trap. It's a way basically to get the characters stuck on a rock out there, which is the main point, which is what happens. So what they realize is when they throw the bombs on the ground is the intense explosion causes seismic activity that is very painful for the creatures. So they end up using that as a way to send the creatures away, and then they can make a run to a rock. A couple funny moments back and forth between the characters. So Bert's pissed off that they're stuck on the rock, and Kevin Bacon's character is pissed off at Bert, and there's a little back and forth on the energy. And then Bert says, well... If someone's going to take me, or if they're going to take me, if it comes to starvation, I'll you know light one of these things and walk out and let them take them down. And that's when they do this fishing idea where they throw rocks to get one of the creatures to show up. Kind of a funny moment because uh, Fred Ward is going to use the uh, tie the bomb to the end of a line and throw it out there and, and basically use it like a fishing line to try to hook the creature. And of course, uh, Kevin Bacon, you know, busts his busts his balls a little bit and says, "You're not going to do your lasso trick." So again, just right in the middle of. <laughs> Yeah, right in the middle of whatever all these extraordinary circumstances, they still find time to insult each other, which is kind of fun. Yeah, it seemed like tying the bomb on the stick, like lighting the fuse and tying it on the stick and then pulling it back to yourself, wouldn't be like a great idea. <laughs> like, like it's a lit bomb. I don't know. I guess it depends how far you throw it. Yeah, but it's not that bad. Cause, I mean, they're they're just trying to get it to... Uh... But you don't need it on a, a uh, drag along the ground to make the sound, and so that it'll come up and and uh, okay, okay, and, okay. and eat the uh, the bomb, okay, was, which it does. They are successful. What with one, once, twice, once, once. So to go back to the after the first bomb explodes, I mentioned this earlier, but it's a great moment for the movie where the characters are celebrating and ah, all this orange goo from the monster comes and rains down on them. So uh, you know, you know, like that's the perfect example of the tone of this movie. And there, they try to do it again, and then the creature spits up the bomb, and that lands in the rest oh, with the rest yeah. of their bombs, and and then they it explodes, and they all have to go running off the rock. So then they're stuck. Everyone's kind of stuck out in the middle of the desert off of their rock, or a bunch of people run back, but 
Val and Earl don't. Yeah, and Val's got the only bomb left. Yeah, there's one bomb left. So they're trying to decide what to do. They're, they're, you know, they have a quick conversation <laughs> as they're standing there in terms of that if they get back to the rock, they're just going to be dead in three days. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Kevin Bacon takes off and starts running towards the cliff. And, of course, he throws the bomb that scares the creature who goes zipping out the side of the cliff, goes in midair for a second, and then lands in a glorious practical effects splatter of uh, orange, the, the worm being ripped apart. So it's, it's cool. Looking. Can you fly, you sucker? <laughs> <laughs> also, like every time I see that with the worm splattering on the rocks, reminds me of the end of Jaws when the shark is blown up in the water and is sort of like slowly. All the blood is. Know, just slowly, you know, floating down into the ocean. Good stuff. Yeah, it's a fun tie in because it goes back to exactly where the movie kicked off initially, right? It's the same cliff that Kevin Bacon's character was taking a leak off of. Um, it's also, as I mentioned, it used the lighter, you know, thing along the way when they're running. So it's just, I just appreciate the, I think this is a pretty well done script in terms of paying attention to detail along the way. Yeah. And then he's, he's just like, Val just says, I just sort of thought, stampede. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Bacon does the uh, the role really well of uh, semi-literate. I don't, I don't know what the... Uh... <laughs> nice, heroically stupid. Yeah, heroically stupid. Stupidly heroic. Heroically stupid. They get back to town, and there's one little wrap-up sequence. So Val talks to Rhonda. She, she says she's excited. There's going to be this, you know, all this research, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, you just, you know, you want them to kiss at that point because they've, they've set it up a little bit. Uh, Fred Ward's just looking at Kevin Bacon and kind of... Well, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And then he chases him down to give her a kiss. And I think that might have been a reshoot, actually. I think, I think they might have changed the ending. Anyone read about that? No. No. Okay. I, yeah. I did notice that she had a, a Nikon F3 with a motor drive was the camera she was using, if you're curious. And that, was, that was Bert's camera, I believe. No, it was a uh, photographer was in, a, in town or something. Like one of the uh, journalists that brought up a uh, thing. Because it was open by that point. The police were there. The sheriff was in town then. Another movie where, the, where you don't see any cops until the very end. Yeah. But there... Where are all the cops, man? I don't think there's a large... Like, uh, Perfection PD is not a huge police force. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the sheriff did roll up. I think the sheriff... Didn't the sheriff roll up to the um, the road being closed at one point? Uh, he was on the other. No, the no, other it, side. Was, uh, it was it was the city worker. It was like the, oh, okay. the power company. And oh yeah, then that gonna... guy got eaten yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they were they were gonna check on the uh, I think check on the whereabouts of the two guys who had not reported back, and then they themselves were eaten too. And it just keeps going and going yep. and going for another seven movies. Apparently, there's a lot of graboids out there than just the uh, four. All right, we've entered the grab bag section of the. <laughs> podcast so colin what would you like to throw out there yeah i got two things so originally they wanted to put some like flashy appendage on the top of the head of the worms they nixed it because they thought it would look like a giant penis (laughs) (laughs) which i thought i thought was pretty funny what i read is that they said that they were trying to create an outer shell on the worms and it looked like a foreskin yeah (laughs) specifically yeah yeah. not good also mindy is played by ariana richards who also played Lex in Jurassic Park, and I never knew that. Lex is the, uh, you know, the two oh, the two kids, the yeah. the grand the grandkids. It's a Unix yeah. system. He's the one on the computer, right? Because yeah. uh, you know, the eleven year old girl can hack into uh, one of the world's most complex computer systems on an, in a amusement park 
that has dinosaurs. Well, the, it's just a step below uh, Matthew Broderick hacking into NORAD. <laughs> well, come on. He had a modem. Come on. <laughs> Who couldn't hack into NORAD? So what would you rather have after you, a, a graboid or a velociraptor? Uh, a graboid. Yeah, I think the graboid. <laughs> I'll <take> the graboid. <laughs> you know why? Velociraptors can climb rocks. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. They can, Pro tip. They're, they're faster. They can tear you apart in many different ways. There was something I, I, I sort of forgot about it, uh, but it was in that documentary that, that Marcus had mentioned. Tell me if this sounds familiar. I think it was Kevin Bacon was talking about getting this movie. His wife was pregnant. It's uh, Kira Sedgwick. I think he'd said something like they were going to name the the baby after like a, an old family name in Kira Sedgwick's family. Yeah. And it's Macon. Yeah. And so it would have been Macon Bacon. <laughs> is that true? Is that, that right? He did say that story. So, yeah. <laughs> the story is true. I don't know how true it is that a Kira would suggest that or not. I, I think they should have gone for it. It sounds a little. That never, that never got close to the line of completion. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I think she probably noticed at one point that her, there was a, uh, family member with the name Macon. So wouldn't it be funny if we named our, our son Macon? But. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting this movie was originally uh, intended or it received an R rating when they screened it. And then they had to go back and cut it. And what they actually had to cut was the language. And apparently there was, there when, on the first cut of this movie, there were 20 uses of the word fuck. You know, it's long been rumored that you, if you can, if you have a PG-13, that you can have a certain amount of fucks in it. Uh, that's not a true rule, by the way. That's a that's an assumption. I did some research on that at one point because I was curious. You know, the MPAA and how they make their final ratings is still very arbitrary. But apparently, that's why you have things like mother humpers in this movie instead of motherfuckers, because that was the change that way back and they went back and made to uh, make this a PG thirteen film. I think that's a good change, because I think yeah, it, it makes this movie a, a bit more wholesome and fun. I, I agree. Actually, I don't. I don't think you need. I don't think you need a whole ton of salty language throughout this thing. And not only that, but it makes the it makes the one use that much better with the Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yes. Fuck you. It stands out more, right? Sure. So it's definitely well done. Something that we we haven't mentioned just about the filmmakers, and I don't even think I realized it until today, is that it was produced by Gail Ann Hurd, who is also the producer of Aliens and a bunch of other great movies, along with uh, Jim Cameron. That totally makes sense as far as why this movie is really good and works so well because yeah. it's got a really great guiding hand. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm still just, I, I'm crazy impressed that this was this guy's first film. I mean, that's a pretty high hurdle. To yeah. jump. Well, no, he was a documentary filmmaker before this, right? I, that's what I, that's what I read. And then I think he's, he's done a bunch of shorts, but this is his first um, feature film. I was impressed just concerning where he went to school, which was, yeah, see. <laughs> well you shouldn't be no, I'm just, that's just expected i'm just joking try to take a shot <laughs> why do i why do i suddenly like this movie just a touch less all of a sudden so i don't like any of spielberg's is... movies i mean god <laughs> well marcus do you have do you have any any interesting trivia or tidbits that you want to discuss i do not i think we covered everything dave no i'll just say that i think this movie is gloriously fun it's probably i think it is in my top 20 movies of all time and i just i love the fact that you know someone took a someone rolled the dice on a big ticket monster movie in 1990 and made it with practical effects with some you know great comedy great dialogue i just i'm super i think this movie is incredibly impressive and it makes sense to me like why when i was going to say okay i want to share a movie that i love with mia 
and that's fun and uplifting because we were also hitting quarantine at that point. This fits the bill completely, right? This is like, this is just, it's an hour and a half of fun. And it's just, I love it. Absolutely. If you're ever like, you're sick or you're feeling down or something like that, just throw on tremors in it. will brighten your day. Yeah. And they do it, it. The nice thing about it too, it's like the, I think the modern make of it would be something like Sharknado or something silly like that. I, I think what Tremors does is they do except without all the camp. Yeah, I mean, that's there's exactly. A, there's like a little bit of camp in this, but it's it's really not a campy movie. That's exactly what I was going to say. They they do a great job with it, making it fun and and exciting, but not campy and kind of silly. And that's what like the modern yeah. the modern movies just kind of go more towards goofy, uh, and they know what they're doing is kind of goofy and campy. Versus whereas Tremors, it's not quite as overt. It's just done such such superbly. So. So I had um, one question that I wanted to ask you guys. When I went to go rewatch this, I asked Emily if she'd ever seen it. And she said, no. Actually, I think her response was, no. <laughs> and, and I said, well, why the fuck would I watch that? Do you want to watch it with me? And she's like, no. <laughs> so can you please make an argument as to why Emily should watch this movie? Mainly because this movie is maybe not what she thinks it is, right? I'd imagine, you know, Tremors, Underground Worm Monsters. In her mind, I can imagine she thinks it's just a schlocky piece of shit, right? Or some, you know, kind of lower rent uh, horror movie. It is not that. I mean, if you if you want to see a movie with some really compelling characters and some fun dialogue, some great practical effects, an overall tone that is... Ultimately, I mean, people get killed and eaten, but it's fun and upbeat. I mean, you know, if you're going to, I mean, it's, people are dying along the way, but you're also laughing along yeah. the way. So this is, this is a movie that you, after you end up watching it, you think to yourself, that was a pretty good time. If you want to have a good time and you're not worried about, oh, and by the way, Emily, on the off chance, you're in some way, you're not watching, you know, what you think is going to be violent or gross or any of that kind of stuff. There's very little of that in this movie. It's all very, uh, it's all very tame. I, I don't have an argument. I don't think she'd like it too much. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good movie. I think it's like, I don't know if it would appeal to everyone though. Like it's not a wide ranging appeal. Like Marcus, you would not make a good attorney. Like getting up in front of the, get in front of the jury box. Like, Look guys, I, I got I'm nothing. I'm just saying like, I, I, don't, I think she'll, she'd probably be like, ah, it's all right. Like it's not, she won't have the same affection for it. It's not going to make her a top. 100 movie list i think i think she would like this movie i think she would like it well luckily she doesn't listen to marcus you know his advice on anything (laughs) and and she and she will listen to dave's advice so (laughs) i think i'm good (laughs) well okay then you can report back and we can see like she have her watch it and then see who's right okay all right well i will say apparently like the man that she married she will not take his advice but she might take (laughs) Dave's advice. It's all Dave. Hmm. Well, I mean, Emily obviously has, she's made the right choice into whose advice she should take into yeah, account. Yeah, the guy who doesn't yeah. like romantic comedies? <laughs> no, I, 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 I actually remember when I, I have... Uh, you you have one, one movie. One movie that honestly isn't really even a romantic comedy. Longshot is not a romantic comedy. It's an it's absolute, not a it's traditional, It is not a traditional romantic comedy. No, it's a little more comedy. With the bit it's of more comedy. Yeah. Yeah. No way. It's a total romantic comedy. No. It's an absolute rom-com. Emily, is, is, would you call Longshot a romantic comedy? 
She said kinda. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't say yes. She said it's kinda, which we both said. Eh, it's more comedy than it's romance. Yeah. And I'm sorry, what was your number one all-time romantic comedy? Is it When Harry Met Sally? No, I have to think about it a little bit because I haven't. But um, there's a lot of really great romantic comedies out there. And maybe you should sit down and watch them with your wife once in a while. Is Gross Point Blank and, a romantic comedy? No. <laughs> it has an element. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good stuff. You know, it's not a rom- romantic comedy, but is almost a, a but is a bromantic comedy. Tremors. 1990s Tremors. <laughs> that's right. You know, I, that's, I was going to make that point, which is, uh, this is, this is close to being a romantic comedy or at least a romantic bromance. I think that's a good way to, I like bro- uh, bromantic comedy. Bromantic comedy. Th- those are Dave's, uh, yes. flavors. Le- Lethal Weapon and, uh, Tremors. And the worm plays the best man. <laughs> In my mind, there's a wedding at the end. And <laughs> Val and Earl get married, and there's... I think you're just thinking about the worm penis. <laughs> All right then. All right. <laughs> I, sorry, I like to go on fantastical tangents sometimes. Well, that's those actually usually make things more interesting. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about in regards to tremors? Uh, yeah. Can we spend the next uh, two weeks of uh, holiday PTO going through the the complete Tremors oeuvre and and do all seven movies do, doing our doing our podcasts you know seven podcasts on seven Tremors movies you and Marcus should totally do that and then <laughs> I, I will listen to them and find out what you I imagine they will hit a same beat with Burt Gummer and uh, the same note will be hit seven times in a movie I don't think you, I don't think you need you Bert broke into the goddamn movie. RV you broke into the goddamn boat you broke into the guy. <laughs> just like listing all along. You're probably right about that, actually. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's there. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't shock yeah. me. Just, you broke into the wrong goddamn Banana Republic, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean the store, Marcus. <laughs> you sure? That's, yes. exactly, that's exactly what I was envisioning. Oh, yeah. like, I don't no, think, no, no. I one of the movies, I, it's like a South I, American country. That they a clothing go. store? I'm like, yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> Someone's got like you know he's, he yeah, has Bert, the uh, Bert does all the shopping at Banana Republic. Bert may have done all the shopping at Banana Republic back in the early '80s or in the mid '80s when Banana Republic came out, and they actually had camouflaged coat clothes and all of that. Um, not the same store anymore. Bert was like a hedge fund guy, wasn't he? And then he retired. Is that right or no? Am I making that up? I, I just like the vision of like an M16 laying on some khakis. Right, that's what he's as he's getting ready to defend Banana Republic. That's what that feels like to me. <laughs> Did he make a bunch of money? He's and got like, like shells, like sprayed. It. It's like he's got cargo pants on. He's like just you know jamming like his cargo pants full of uh, shotgun shells. That's a good vision. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got any uh, theories on where the graboids came from? Hmm, you know, I wonder if they actually. I wonder if they ever address that in any of the See? sequels. There's so many I, unanswerable questions, and we have six other movies we should be uh, digging for questions. I think that uh, that Val was right that it's some sort of like nuclear radiation, you know, mutated these worms. I mean, they are in Perfection Nevada. It's it's got to be close to. Uh, I thought they're in California. You know, no. Well, that's where they filmed it, but it's Perfection oh, Nevada. Okay. Yeah. It's probably near like Yucca Mountain or something like that. And, a bunch of worms got into some uh, some toxic waste and and. Oh, they're huge worms. Mm. Can, can you can you just give me that transformation <laughs> one more time? <laughs> yeah, I just play back the uh, the audio.
Yeah. So that's what I think. I don't think they've been around for you know no. millions of years. Yeah, you, it, it, there's no, there's no, there's nothing like this in the fossil record. Yeah. I have questions about how would a population survive, right? Because there's only four of them, that w- that really wouldn't work, right? Yeah. So, well, maybe they live like hundreds of years, and then they, they maybe they travel long distances, and they every like say seventy years. They all, you know, like migrate to one spot and they all mate. They're like cicadas. And then... They only come out every so often. The question is, why is it we're only seeing them now for the first time? Maybe they, we've killed off their food source. Mm. So what were they eating before? Uh, Mostly dirt. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of dirt out there. Uh, I don't know. I blame global warming. I'm pretty sure it's global global warming responsible nah, for this. Yeah. 1990, it's nukes. It's nuclear. It's all nuclear. Yeah, it is still nukes at that point, for sure. Nuclear energy has the... Mutant. Uh, what's the word? Element that I'm looking for for animal mutation? It's always radioactive right. stuff, right? I mean, most of these were made during, like, from 1950 to 1990. It was all, like, nuclear. Yeah, the classic sort of monster movie from the, right. you know, 50s or 60s because of the nuclear waste yeah. and... What happens when, I mean, that's all radiation, that's all Godzilla, yeah. you know, what happens with the, uh, wasn't Godzilla birthed from the nuclear bombs on Japan? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys remember the movie Eight-Legged Freaks? No. 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 Well, I think I only saw it once and I remember thinking that the trailer made this, made it look like, oh, that's going to be the same kind of energy as, as Tremors. It could be fun, right? Giant spiders attacking that kind of thing. Oh wait! Yes, I did. Is isn't uh, David Arquette? Yeah, David Arquette is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember it had a really good trailer. I think the movie just was kind of meh, which just goes to show that you can try to do the same thing. But Tremors has a little bit more magic to it than a whole bunch of similar knockoffs in my mind. All those other movies don't quite work. I think it's a combination of the the writing and the characters, and probably the setting. Arachnophobia was the, which was funny. Is the same year Arachnophobia? Um, yeah, I liked that. Yeah. Arachnophobia is pretty yeah. good. I, re- I remember that being good and, and actually being genuinely freaky if you're yeah, not a fan of spiders. Was yeah. It was definitely yeah. more, it was less, far less comedy and more horror, but it was good. Yeah. Graboid! <laughs> <laughs> like the other names they're going through too. Snakeoid? Snakeoids. Snakeoids. <laughs> oh, oids, oids. Uh, definitely an oids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, that Graboid, that's the dumbest name. And then like, it sticks, of course. <laughs> And apparently, yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I just love yelling graboids, but then I'm looking at all these other uh, sequels and stuff, and they're like, the graboids are back. And I'm like, what? That's actually, the, that's what they call yeah. them? Yeah. Well, not only that, but they also, they have other names. Like, apparently, uh, there's one version of the graboids that are called ass blasters. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> okay. Wrong movie. Wrong movie genre. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Which which Trevors were you looking at? <laughs> All right then. Oh, oh boy. boy. Oh boy. Let's wrap it up. Hope everybody enjoyed our usual long rambling conversation about the 1990 B movie masterpiece Tremors. I think we would all give this a very strong recommendation uh, to go see it and um, you know take a chance on it if you've never seen it. If you're Emily, for example, come on Emily, go watch Tremors. Come on Emily, sack up. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then report back to us. Otherwise, we can say this is the Real DMC Podcast signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.
broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? <laughs>